because of my fear of like what people would think or um, I felt like I couldn't be my, my, completely myself and that's really what robs life from, from you. But I, I think that's sort of getting synced in with whenever you get put in this, this body and you're learning how to live in this world, the older you get, the older I get, the more comfortable I am with myself and I don't have to be afraid of what people think. Um, and I, I think a lot of moments were robbed because of that fear, uh, fear of rejection, fear of failure. Hello and welcome to Beautiful Failures Podcast. This is Andy Real, And I'm Stephen Keach. And this is a show where we interview creatives about failures in their life and career that help propel them where they are today. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Beautiful Failures Podcast. This is actually, it was supposed to be episode 10, and it was supposed to come out in October of 2023. But we had some technical difficulties with this episode, and we weren't sure if we were actually going to release it. Uh, but we thought about it, and this is just a really great episode. Uh, it's with our friend Cody Bonnet. And uh, yeah, so here is where we start our intro. Cody Bonnet. So uh, Cody is an old friend of both of ours. Um, uh, he is the front man, main songwriter for As Cities Burn, uh, who uh, he just played the final As Cities Burn show at Furnace Fest uh, this last weekend. And um, yeah, he's moving on to new things. He's got a new project uh, that he talks about. And um, yeah, this episode was fascinating as a fan and a friend of Cody like uh it was really cool to dive into uh his story and creative process yeah and just to give you guys context I directed the Empire video for his band years ago so that was kind of my entry point in getting to know Cody and Steven we didn't talk about this but you, you actually like I played bass in Acidity's Burn for a while yep. on I, I filled in uh on a bunch of tours and uh and ended up joining the band for the last album uh, and then, yeah, so we, you know, we both, uh, have known Cody for a while and, um, he's just such a good dude and genuine and, uh, also like, gosh, his lyrics and his music are, are incredible. And, uh, anyone who knows the name as cities burn, uh, knows the effect that that band has played on a lot of people. And, um, yeah, would yeah. you agree? Yeah, man. I think with this episode, it was Cody is one of those like highly creative individuals. And we touch on so many different subjects from perfectionism to like authenticity and making sure that you're releasing the most authentic thing possible. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, uh, no matter what kind of artist or creative you are, because there's a lot that we talk about when it comes to like actually finishing your projects yep. and, and having, how did you, how did you put it in the podcast? Uh, I think Cody actually said he deals with, um, um, completion anxiety, completion anxiety. I love that term. Um, and I think it's, it's really important for us to like, think about that. And I think any creative person can identify and has dealt with before. So, you know, this is also a deep dive for any like as cities burn fans out there. We talk about, 
uh, a lot of his lyrics and what's behind them. So, you know, if you're a fan of the band, you'll, you'll find this an interesting listen as well. So uh, enjoy. Thank you. Yeah. Here's our conversation with Cody Bonnet. Cody, let's dive in. It's so good to have you on here, man. This is awesome. It's wonderful to see y'all. Um, two of my favorite guys that uh, Andy, I don't know who I go back further with, Keech, uh, but a- Andy did our video for Empire in we 2007 or 6, okay. something like that. That might be, yeah, it might be further than us. I think uh, yeah. Warp, uh, when was it that I like, that I really met you guys? I think it was on Warp Tour, maybe. Or Cornerstone, uh, when you first started playing with uh, Haste the Day, I yeah. think. Yes. Like yes. maybe the first year you started playing with Haste the Day, I met you that year. That would have uh, been Which was when? Six. Six? Okay. Six, so yeah, yeah, right around the same time. Cody, what's your what's your memories of doing that video? I, it was like an overnight shoot, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh, you guys were in the middle of a tour or something. Yeah, yeah. Like one day, and Chad was like, we were, "Can you do it this day?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was really cool. Like, it was our second video, and I just remember you rented this giant uh, gold. I guess it was gold, yeah. like backdrop. That was that looked really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just weren't used to being like taken care of so well, and you you were very professional about having like helpers and stuff, and like yeah. catering, and like, uh, ironically, it's kind of like maybe this yeah okay it's wonderful to see y'all um like uh you know as musicians and artists where you got your your fans that kind of hold the band up it like it it feels like to me like uh i don't know maybe it's called imposter syndrome or something but i always was like i felt like weird being like kind of like served uh but man i, I was Showing some guys at work, uh, they're just asking about me, and yeah. they don't even know yeah. I played in a band. And then I tell yeah. them about it, and they l- just do a quick Google search, and that's one of the first videos that comes nice. up. And nice. like, he like showed me on his phone, and it just looked like such a younger version of myself. And I was like, yeah, that is me, but that's just like that is so long ago, such a different person, you know? For sure. Um, but uh, I did like it. I did like that video more than our first video okay. <laughs> was Bloodsucker, where we had our mouths. Like, uh, I yeah. don't know if people uh, have seen that, but they <laughs> yeah. they covered up our mouths where I had to cough for like <laughs> hours, but I oh. my mouth was covered, so I was just like coughing inside of my inside of my mouth. Was that was that inspired by like the Matrix, where his like mouth gets, you know? Yeah, yeah. That that um. I don't. I can't remember whose idea it was, but it was like that particular video is like you're being silenced by uh, I don't know a guy like kid kidnaps people and then like uh, covers up their mouth so they can't speak anymore and turns them into these zombie type people. Uh, it kind of goes along with the theme of the song. That's like uh, sort of like fall in line. That song in particular, Bloodsucker Part Two. It, it was it was in response to the first ever negative comment I read about As Cities Burn, like nice. really early nice. on. It was just like, are you the man now that you got what you wanted? You insulted us, you know? <laughs> uh, it was so chi- childish, but 
that's kind of the origin. Man, people, I feel like people, like in those, you know, MySpace days, like they're so emboldened to just be so cruel like hxc boards man yeah hxc boards and lamb goat do you think it's any lamb goat is yeah i remember if i ever went on lamb goat i just like felt like the worst person in the entire world like i'd just be like man everybody hates me i think it's just people don't realize like you know you're 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 talking about a bunch of already insecure people (laughs) right you think it's any worse now or any or less worse now? I think it's just evolved. It's it's evolved to like comments on like YouTube comments and Instagram comments and and stuff like that. It's a it's a different version. Uh, it's I think back then was a little bit more anonymous, like as far as like the boards go. Which I don't know, man. It's all it's all the same. Like kids are still assholes and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's not going away. But back to the video real quick, Cody. I've like really fond memories. That was like one of like many overly ambitious videos that John Pope and I attempted back in the day. My only caveat with that video is I remember it was so long ago that we had to shoot it on like an HVX with a 35 mil- milliliter lens adapter. And you had to like flip the camera upside down and like, or I don't, there's like some technical, like weird way to shoot it. I would have loved to make that video with like a newer camera. Like, I feel like that was like looking back, like, so ambitious for the uh the technical kind of limitations we had you know back then for a budget like that but um those those like budgets for those music videos back then were so low but the ambitions were always so high yep like all right we're gonna make this there's gonna be all these different elements and we're gonna put them all together yeah i feel like that would have been really challenging for a director I've, I've you had to have a whole- kind of like a failure actually of mine, like not to like jump into it super quick, but I, I remember when it came out, like I liked it, but I never, I never loved it. Or I was like, man, like we should have maybe attempted it a little different. But I, I look back like fondly of like that whole time as like almost like a crash course or like boot camp and filmmaking, you know? So I can look back at it now through that lens. But at the time I remember being like, man, I kind of wish the video would have turned out better, (laughs) you know? Isn't that that how art is though? Like you got this idea in your mind, you're trying to get it to translate, to come out that way in real life. And then it it more times than not goes its own way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Stephen Keach is in that much control. Like no way you can hear it in your mind, but (laughs) you just got to go with what's happening. And uh, I think it has a cool fuzzy quality to it. You know, like I don't, I'm not a film guy i don't really know anything at all about cameras but i thought it always had like a cool kind of dreamy look to it yep maybe that yep. was that lens uh and then like we just we were just there for the a role i guess yeah. w- which yeah. was the just us performing you had to do a whole separate b roll yeah uh yeah. that had to tie it all in yeah. um it was it was cool man uh but it yeah like it, it never came pretty. out how i thought either yeah. but um you just let it go, and and uh, I've learned just in releasing things to uh, be at peace with 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 it as it as it lands, you know, yeah. uh, just to not get torn up about it. I'm sure it doesn't really tear you up, but like you just kind of like look back and make a mental note, like maybe I'd do that 
different next time. For but. sure, man. And I think back then, like trying to like climb the music video ladder for me, like it even, but like, and I don't like, I don't like, yeah, like, man, I like, I hope the band likes, I hope the label likes, I hope it can like lead to that next thing. So there's like so many different, like kind of pieces to creating like something in that context, you know, it's like limited budget, limited technology at the time. Uh, hoping the band's stoked, hoping the label is stoked, hoping you like it. But like looking back, it's like yeah, very rarely will all those things line up. You know, there, there'll be like a, a maybe a magical moment, like once or twice that that happens. But typically, man, it's like you're really that's a lot of expectations around like one project that there's usually a short timeline to even prep and like yeah for to begin with yeah so, and like so. um i remember you telling me like uh or i was asking i was like what do i do it's kind of like that uh thing in um what is that movie uh with Will Ferrell, was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do with my eyes. Do I keep my eyes open or, or close them? Yeah. And, and you're like, no, open. Keep your eyes open. Look into the camera. And, <laughs> and I still was performing with my eyes closed because that's what I always do. It's just yeah. like, uh, uh, for me, like playing guitar and singing, it, it takes a lot of, uh, sometimes it takes a lot. So then like closing my eyes at least eliminates one of my five senses. Yep. So then I can kind of concentrate on the others or, or it's a defense mechanism even. Yeah. And like, there's that maybe awkward feeling or uh, intense feeling when you're looking out in the crowd and make eye contact with people. Like, yeah, uh, I've I've gotten better at it and I've gotten to like that feeling a lot more as time went on. But back then in 2007, I was a brand new singer myself. And was just like, I'm afraid. And I don't want people to know I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. I gotta close my eyes. Yeah. So this is so Cody, this is like very timely. I literally saw you like what, like a week and a half ago at Furnace Fest, like last ACB performance. Uh, and you're like, Hey, I like the pod. I'm like, we should have you on. So here we are, like a week and a half, two weeks later. Yeah, tell us about <laughs> Furnace Fest, what, dude. What was that like for you? Dude, it was fantastic. I wish, um, I wish I could have seen you, Keech. You know, like I saw <laughs> yeah. you on stage from the crowd, and I don't know if you caught any. Same. Of us. I can't. I can't believe we didn't actually cross paths. I was like, I'm. I mean, it was great that I brought the kids, but it also was like, you know, right before your guys set, the younger one is just losing his mind. <laughs> I saw your whole family there uh but i didn't see you uh, yeah i kind of wish that maybe it was a little longer that i i like hung out with more people but Same. i kind of like at those festivals i like to just wander around by myself and people watch kind of like being at a, a airport and, and i would just kind of wander and catch bands i'd never heard but it was i'm still coming down from like that that high really like um because my my life has gotten to me kind of mundane just working a job and stuff and that's very much me out of my element but as far as um it having something to do with as city's burn performing the last show it went off it went off great for uh i don't know if people know but we retired um the first album two years ago at uh in 2021 and then we retired the uh, second 
few albums, uh, the second version of the band, two weeks ago. And um, it was really fitting the way that it went, and it felt right to me, um, even though I was the only remaining original member of the band left, it started to feel like at that point it was like, okay, we're, we're not really as Cities Burn anymore because it's changed so much. Uh, but you could argue, you could argue that like even though Zayo and Norma Jean yeah. changed members, they're yeah. still Zayo and Norma yeah. Jean, but yeah. I kind of yeah. like got tired of carrying around the name and was like, uh, I still want to make music, but it's probably just time to um, put a pen in it. Uh, How long has it been? So you said in 2021, because <clears throat> so uh, I was in the band when we when we did Screaming. Uh, Screaming through uh, the walls in 19. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 2019. Um, and then uh, when, okay, I was actually. 10 years before that, 10 years before that was, um Hell or High Water. So Which is we my did, favorite uh, album by you guys, by the way, Cody. I think I mentioned you. that. That's, that's my favorite I think album that might be my favorite, too. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so we did, in six years, we did three albums, and uh, five, seven, and nine. Oh, five, oh, seven, and oh, nine. Then we took a 10-year break and, uh, you know, tried to, take it full circle and go back to like the first version of the band or a, or a combination of the two. And, um, I think we did great with that Keech. That was, that yeah. was pretty fun, yeah. but I think like, it was very fun. The way, the way I kind of put it to, um, Dan, the guy at EVR, um, equal vision, we talked at furnace fest and, and I'd been reflecting on it. Like I thought we were just getting, to be the band that we were like when we started recording, like if we had maybe written for another six months and like gotten to have a big base of songs and maybe been a little more selective and gotten TJ comfortable, like screaming again or something, I, I don't know, or experimented a little more, we could have stumbled into um, maybe uh, our sound again or a sound again. But I don't mean to discredit the album, but, to me, it felt felt a little forced. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Smokers Abbey. Don't smoke, but if you do, go to Smokers Abbey. They have a wide selection of cigars, pipe tobacco, and much more located in East Nashville and Gallatin, Tennessee. Go now. Welcome to Smokers Abbey, where you can get the best smoke. All the smoke. At this point in the episode, we had some technical difficulties, and you might hear a slight change in the audio quality. We apologize. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, touching on the last ACB record is a cool thing to talk about, so I don't want to like divert. But one thing, I watched part of your set of Furnace Fest this year, and you talked about the juxtaposition of playing on the stage and like looking at the the, the furnace, the factory across from you, and it reminding you of like your day job, like what was the different range of emotions like you you were feeling during that performance being at like the last ACB performance and then kind of the beginning of something new and then the reality of what life looks like for you on most days, like with your, your day-to-day job, like what, what did that feel like? Cool. Great question. Uh, and I'm glad that what I said made sense. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, sure. I, I didn't know if it did to anybody. 
Yeah. But I just remember being backstage, like laying down, like in the furnace. Uh, like nobody really. I don't know if people really went backstage, but it's it's a it's a it's a giant furnace. Yeah, a giant furnace where they melted metal and and poured it in the uh, molds or casts and um, you know re remade things a foundry or forge whatever uh but kind of like the end of terminator 2 (laughs) so yeah it looked like pretty much um and really hot dangerous stuff but i just remember like laying down feeling nervous and just naturally like looking all around at all the welds and being like wow that that's a good weld that's wow that's a that's kind of crap you know Uh, i can't believe you got away with that you know um but my day job is is that it's like uh welding and so uh, that after after I kind of been in music for a while and um, guys in the band started getting married, I also uh, had got married and it, it was hard to be in a touring band and uh, have a marriage and uh, even pay the bills. So I went to a plan B uh, and I went to a welding school and learned that trade and now now that trade has become my plan A. And so stepping into Furnace Fest and performing, it, it felt like um, weird that it was like stepping back into this old life and um, I could see the furnace from the stage. And uh, it just, um, I, I think I said something like, this is my two worlds colliding because I work in a factory similar to that back home. And uh you know, the work can be fun and uh, it can be creative and satisfying. But a lot of times I'm kind of like, I wish I had, and maybe I can have the, this much freedom, but like to choose to only work like say 20 hours a week and then put 20 hours into music. But really what happens is I work like 50 hours a week sometimes and then I just need some rest. But I, I have found a way to... Um, keep music in my life uh trying to start this new solo project um my only passenger uh got like a little bit of of compiled probably like 15 song ideas uh but as far as uh i think that i think that it's more important to make and release music than it is to weld things and pay my bills so i i I hope that my relationship with music is not over and and i i I don't think it is but i'm very much like uh i kind of i don't write all the time i'll go like years without writing anything so it just kind of comes and goes you know uh but i i'm kind of back into a time where i'm writing again so i'm really happy about that yeah. yeah. So you said you go years without writing? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like what, how uh, many just writer's like? block. Writer's block or um big life shift where you just yep. don't know you lost your voice. Um like I don't know, maybe even a faith crisis sometimes. Yeah. Do you feel like um do you feel like Okay, just for context, so I, so how long was Acidies Burning Band? Like what, what, how, like 
20 years or yeah what's our first show was on September 11th 2002 one year anniversary okay. after and our band name was as cities burn isn't that something the one year wow. anniversary wow. of 9/11 that was our yeah. first show um yeah and then we played our last show i played our last show <laughs> you know um 3 weeks ago so that yeah, yeah that's 21 years uh, of yeah. band but but there was so much inactivity in there you yep. know i mean what how many times have you had these like periods where you just stop writing like over those last 20 years is it like like multiple times yeah yeah i think i i i think i sh struggle with writing like uh yeah. it doesn't always feel natural uh i think it's maybe pretty common that artists might get in their head a lot um I think that I got tripped up or I get tripped up putting uh trying trying to have all the fans opinions in my mind. It's like I'm almost not writing for me anymore, but I'm writing for the audience and I think that's that's kind of flawed, right? Like do you do you do that, Stephen? Uh yes, Steph. I mean, I, I and I feel like Acid's Burn fans especially have I mean, Cassidy's Burn did something uh, so meaningful to a lot of people, like just like the lyrics and the the music. But I've also seen that like that the uh, the fans have kind of put a lot of pressure on you, especially as a writer, in like holding it so so preciously. Like this is precious to me, and uh, I remember there was a time where. Um, you were uh you you and Aaron were doing Hawkboy and uh I wanna say there was like a saying that you guys would say like no changing lives or something like that. That was wow. like the I don't remember that, but that yeah, okay. We were trying to be a watered down band to to be more appealing to the masses. And I see the reason why, and it's because like there's so much pressure because as he's burned changed so many lives they're like oh we need to keep up with that we need to keep changing lives or or what if what i'm doing now isn't like going to impact those people in the same capacity is that is that correct um i think maybe what that that phrase might have meant was like if you're in a band like what as cities burn was not that we had hit a ceiling, but maybe we hit a ceiling and it only appeals to those who would feel connected to the music emotionally. What if we were to write music that was not so emotional and more just like uh, for the everyday person? But I think that's super flawed in, in that it's like, one, pretentious going into writing with a pretense, you know, like instead of just letting it flow. Um, and then... Two, we're not meant to be, we're just not meant to be that. Like, why Why not just embrace, like, keep going with the vibe as cities burns going on. But but I, I mentioned earlier something about, like, the imposter syndrome where I'm insecure, you know. I'm, a, I'm just like everybody else. I deal with insecurity. And, and 
what I don't want people to see is when they pull back the curtain, they see just a guy like the Wizard of Oz is just a guy pulling, pulling strings. You know, it's like maybe I'm full of S-H-I-T, you know, maybe like maybe I, I don't back up my words or um, sometimes. OK, for instance, uh, they fixed your brain when you were young. That song, uh, the yeah. first song on the Hell or High Water record, like it's not really saying that much. And I'm wondering, like, what what it is saying, like, and and I I just kind of touch on the idea, but don't necessarily uh, expand on making more points on it. So that's just my my criticism of that particular song. I, I just. I thought that if anybody now would look really closely at things, they would see that I'm a sham and I'm afraid of that. And so that'll stop me from writing. But um, the beauty of, of music and differing interpretations of the music is that someone's going to listen to that song and get a totally new idea than I think they, they, they've talked to me about it, like at shows, Oh, this is about that. Right. Or what is this about? And I'm like, well, how do you interpret it? And, and, and get some kind of cool idea. So it's like, I think it's God, God behind it. Um, you know, the spirit of the music kind of growing legs and, and, you know, sort of like you get whatever meaning, you want out of it um and so i'm so glad you brought that up cody um because one of the questions that we had was like how because i've always wanted to ask you this and uh like how autobiographical are your lyrics and i put uh, sheepdog in there because that's one of them i was curious about like is that was that about you like being medicated as a kid or like is was it is it a very like more broad broad subject that you're touching on or does it mean nothing you know but like what like specifically with that song like I'm, I'm curious or a lot of your lyrics like are are they more autobiographical or is it just more like kind of poetry or uh, stream of conscious thoughts that you write down awesome question um that one in particular I'm glad you asked because I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about it but that was right around the time that I got engaged and I've been I've been uh, a follower of Jesus for a long time because that's what I was brought up in. But I married someone who wasn't a believer um, in that whole thing. And uh, as soon as I got be uh, betrothed to that person, there was this kind of um, weird uh, – Keats, you were around for that when we went to Europe. There was this weird uh, – dark kind of shift that took took me over where I almost felt like I had to abandon my faith to uh to become one with this other person that was rejected by the uh was rejected by the establishment the uh the church establishment so it's like I had to in that song kind of demonizing uh the good lord's good sheep that are judging the people that haven't said this prayer to uh, received this salvation and therefore they're going to hell. Um, so I had a, a conflict in my mind. And so writing that song was about that, you know, it's like, um, and then the, the lyrics later in the song are, um, but when I find love 
so bright in the alleyway, they throw her overboard. I, I watch her get lost in the wake. And that was about my wife being rejected by uh, a church, you know. Um, was it necessary to demonize the church or anything? No, but it was just my way of of processing it. Yeah. Um, so funny, man. Do you, so do you use lyrics to like, uh, yeah, to process what's happening in your life and kind of. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's very autobiographical. Like okay. the widow. I would have never guessed that song was about your marriage. That's why I said that was so funny. I don't think the lyrics are funny, cool. but um, yeah, I, I would like, I, I took it as like, you know, a kid growing up on Ritalin. Like maybe Cody took Ritalin as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. that's like literally what. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. Happened. I can Very see basic. that. It was yeah. cool. I mean, that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> on the subject, this one's kind of funny. Oh, Off the same album, there's a song called "Daughter," and it's about uh -huh. looking at porn and lusting yeah. after a girl, but. I have broken some people's hearts. They come and talk to me like backstage and like, oh man, I love that song, daughter. I, I just had a daughter. Uh, what is it about? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I have to tell them and their face is just like, I thought, I didn't realize you would struggle with that, you know? Uh, but anyway. But looking maybe, at maybe, like a song, maybe, like, Sorry, Cody, what were you going to say? I was just going to say maybe that'll, um, some people don't know that. And now they do. The cat's out of the bag. Um, Looking at a song like The Widow, which is like OG ACB song, like, I'm assuming that's like very autobiographical, like for you growing up, or is that even like more poetic in a sense? Yeah, it's pretty much, it's pretty much autobiographical other than it was, uh, it was technically 1986 instead of 1989, but 1989 sounded better. Or I think I just say 89 in the song. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, and I chalked that up to being like a naive young writer that um, in college, in, when you're in a poetry class, your, your teacher is known to say things like, or I've heard, maybe even experienced, the teacher's like, the world doesn't want to see your diary, you know? Um, and I don't know how much I agree with that because that song in particular has been pretty effective um, in connecting with people. But I do, I do see the benefit in, like, sort of embellishing a little bit to make the song better uh or or creating a little bit of mystery to let the mind run like For sure. um yeah. Josh Goggin produced from uh Norma Jean the Chariot in 68 he produced our first record and he uh he had a problem how did I not know that yeah he he produced okay. with with Goldman like okay. cuz cuz we were on tour our first tour uh official uh album or label back tour was the young bloods tour in 2004 and the chariot was headlining that and uh we became friends with josh on on that tour and after that tour we were scheduled to go in with matt goldman and he was just like hey i've recorded with matt how about i come in and do uh i'll do the vocal production or kind of production but he didn't want to touch the widow because he had so many problems with it but he okay. realized that like uh 
it was kind of already written. Like I, I had kind of already had the song written and, and he, he would touch on a couple of little things to me, like that give me suggestions that did make it into that song. But he was, uh, he almost tried to influence me to not make it so autobiographical or so graphic even. Uh, but it came out as it came out. And uh, I don't write like that anymore. I don't write that. Um, I couldn't write a song like that again, I don't think. But I was literally 19 years old at the time. Yeah, um, and, and kind of like going back to what you're saying, I think it's so like, Stephen, you're saying like people held like ACBD these like high standards or put expectations around what it should be. I think like, you know, looking at that song, you, you know, which is like 20 years old at this point, like uh, objectively, there's something obviously like very endearing about it that probably connects to people because it does seem like so sincere, but like, yeah, like you, to your point, Cody, you're like a 19 year old kid, man. Like you're not like, you can't, <laughs> nor should you from an artist or maturity standpoint, continue that for like 20 years, you know, that'd just be, that'd just be weird. And I think maybe a song that was like, uh, very like right from a diary or very like, um, real, uh, yeah. Do you feel like maybe that's like, that's maybe a tough way to even like kind of start your career. Right. Like, are you always like, do you feel like some of like your, you know, thoughts about trying to be like overly sincere about everything, maybe come are rooted in releasing some very, very sincere songs that connected to people. Does that it make is, sense? What yeah, I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, sure. And in, in the context of that album, it's like a really soft song in the middle of like a, you know, heavy, chaotic album. Uh, yeah. I even was trying to get it to where it was like a secret song that you fast forward to at the end to try to hide it. And uh, I was dissuaded from doing that. Yeah. Like, do you feel like releasing something like that real and almost sincere from a, a, almost like a, a naive or new artist place? Like, has that like carried into the rest of your career and like how, how you write or or think about like how you write lyrics and themes and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I want, I don't want to write anything that's, uh, has no soul to it. And I think I, I have written and released, uh, so, some Keats you brought up, uh, Hawk boy, like some of that stuff, like I felt, was intentionally trying to be uh, watered down uh, in order to uh, break out or something, uh, which which now I see is kind of flawed thinking. But um, I want to connect with people, and what I what I wanted was ultimately what I got, which was to have a chance to write and record an album on. Uh, my favorite record label, Tooth and Nail Records, as I was growing up, it was a dream come true. Uh, so, um, I would hope to continue. I've fought with myself as I get older, this thought like, okay, maybe now I'm done with music and then just like continue to live life and be like, okay, now I'm done with music, but it keeps sucking me back in somehow, you know, um, <laughs> Now my ex-wife, now my ex-wife, she she was commenting on us playing all these reunion shows, and she said, she simply will not die, which is a, a oh. Norma Jean lyric. 
<laughs> being the, the as cities burn simply will not die got a kick out of that one but now I've she's getting, like, and we got a new it's channel it's so strange to hear sorry not to talk over, okay. over you but it's it's um it's strange to hear you cuz i feel like i've known you for a while and it's like music pours out of your your soul kind of regardless even if it's like a demo here or like i'm playing guitar here whatever um and of course acidity's burn has been the easiest way to get that music out just because it already has like a, a foundation because building a band is like i mean it's it's really difficult um but like you're also i mean you're a super talented welder furniture maker like creative person period like you're the stuff that comes out of you is just creative and um so to hear you say like uh you know maybe i'm done with music uh it just feels so wrong to my soul because uh because i'm like you can't close the book on anything like that and i and i'm happy to see that you're not and um uh because you have a new project uh yeah that you announced at furnace fest yeah uh yeah that's um I think I was attaching my ego too much to As Cities Burn, and every time it was called As Cities Burn, I couldn't stomach another release of a new form of As Cities Burn. So I really was like, we just have to change the name. And then also, like, Aaron Lunsford was the drummer for As Cities Burn on all four of the records, and, like, he and I just had this relationship this style of writing together that was very special to me and like he didn't play this last show and so i'm like it is now 100 percent over like i don't want to do as cities burn anymore so um it doesn't have to mean i'm done with music but like you said the amount of work that went into building the foundation of a band was so much and but at, at some point i'm just like I'm over it. I want to start over with a new thesis. And people do it all the time. Like uh, Dave Bazan. Didn't, Dave yeah. Bazan started just releasing stuff under Dave Bazan. And he even has a song. Uh, Every new something requires a brand new thesis. I don't know. Um, one of those. Did that, did that feel freeing to do that? Yeah, it does. Um and I'm glad you said that, Keech, about like m music coming out of me because I thought it was stopped up for a while, but but it has been coming out of me l lately. And I've got these songs um, that I was titling it "My Only Passenger" uh, as as the title for um, this project, and I wanna I wanna release them, but I have a problem. Like I have a problem with. Um, I don't know, I call it completion anxiety. Like I'm scared to actually go to 100%. Like I've got so many 70% songs. Like yeah, every one of them is at 70% or whatever, you know, halfway done, 90% done. So what I need is a producer. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I need to bring some of these songs to a producer that gets it. And um, I've got a couple players with me now that played the last show uh, at Furnace Fest. And... It's just going to be slow going because uh, because I got to pay my bills and I'm I'm working to pay my bills. But dude, every day I think about, ah, should I quit this job and start making some music? 
right now? Who knows? Yeah. What, let's let's talk more about completion anxiety because I, I definitely identify with that as a creative myself. Like, what have you given it much thought? What's that, what that is rooted in for you, or do you? Is it just something that's kind of just followed you your whole creative journey? Hmm. It's more of a whenever I set out to write something, like I want to start fresh. I love starting fresh where I have nothing. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to pull open the song I had open yesterday. So whenever I sit down, I'm trying to make, bring something to completion, but just, I just don't complete the song. I don't know if it's, uh, also maybe to leave it open for change. Like if we revisit it later, mm -hmm. uh, uh, do you think that some of that is like, so when you're doing the whole band thing, especially like, you know, back in the early days, uh, there was a format and a structure to everything. You tour for X amount of time. You have one month to write and one month to record an album. And then you're back on the road. It's like very scheduled, like time, like you have a lot of time restraints. And right now, uh, especially like, you know, the way the music industry has moved, uh, and the way, you know, you're working a job and, and doing all that, there are no time restraints. It's everything is kind of open. Uh, do you feel like that kind of plays a role? Yeah. Um, I don't carve out the time. I, I, I have plenty of time. It's just, it, I haven't made it a priority. Um, mm. I also need to sleep and sometimes the physical labor makes me tired. Uh, I'm also afraid, like it is frightening to, to try to make something, uh, that bears your soul. And like we're, we've been talking about, like, I, I want to make the music that bears the soul and not the meaningless music. So I, I find myself avoiding it. Um, but I, I want to, I want to have a career in music and that requires writing. So, um, uh, does that answer the question at all? You know, I think so, man, I think because, and you know, I don't want to project here, but, um, what I'm hearing is you want it to be like hundred percent sincere. So maybe like completing something, is almost like saying this thing's done, this thing's finished, and uh, you're all, yeah, yeah.
But I think that that's where it's like, oh, man. So like where I look at you, you are always, I feel like you're, you're able to access this raw creative energy that's like, because uh, I've seen you work, I've, I've, I hear your demos and I've, I've seen you work on, on stuff yourself. Like there's actually like uh, a couple of times, Cody, where you watch my dog uh, while we went out of town and you, uh, and I, uh, you know, you got to use the studio and stuff and uh, would just kind of play around with like these crazy ideas that just sounded so cool. And I, I feel like that's like a superpower, right? Like, and, and maybe the finishing side of it is, uh, is the, you know, give and take, you know, like you have the superpower of being able to dive right into like the most creative juice, like, and explore these unexplored territories, uh, in music. And then, uh, on the flip side of that, it's like, you know, it might be hard to finish, uh, the idea yourself, but I don't know. I think that that's like, I look at that and I'm like, wow, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cause like for me, yes, I can, you know, do everything myself, but at the end of the day, it's always better to have that collaboration. Collaboration. And yeah. I agree. It's like, if I know like, okay, all my job is, is to conceive the idea and then all these other people are going to bring it to life. Like that's, that always end up, ends up better. Like, absolutely. And then you run in, you run into the battle. I don't know. I do where it's like, you still want it to be yours, but then you also want the other guy in the band to make it his and be okay with that being alongside your idea, you know, and and sort of letting go of like, let them do it where they're happy. Uh, You know, because I I used to kind of be, want to be a dictator, like, uh i i want to write everything and and even at the beginning of the band uh some of the guys like colin the guitar player he didn't really write a lot of the stuff so i would write both the guitar parts um but i was i was in a different zone there uh i had i had a lot more time and didn't have a job then my sole focus was to uh write an album and I had a lot of energy then. Yeah, it didn't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think going back to like, um, you know, sometimes things just need to be finished. And like, I, I'm a, I almost like push back on that idea. It's like, you know, because like you can always keep like riffing or noodling or fixing or perfecting, but sometimes they just need to be done, you know? And maybe like in some ways, like for me personally, like, finishing something, especially if it's like a passion project or uh, just purely creative endeavor, like I'm almost afraid of finishing it because I'm afraid of it failing or not being good. Like mm. finishing it almost puts that cap on it where it's like, okay, this is done. And because it's done, like maybe it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. You know, Great that point. kind of goes back to like the anxiety yeah. or insecurity part of like creating things from from scratch essentially you know yeah i think that there's like okay so one of the things that helped me with this is being forced to finish things Mm -hmm. so like uh, you had to do so much with the scoring yeah and like so i had a job uh for four years where i was like i had a quota with a licensing company eight tracks a month right so like you don't you can't like you can't fix everything 
you don't have time. And so you're just putting it out and, uh, and you kind of have to like abandon the idea a little bit. You have to be like, okay, this is as far as I could get. Uh, so how do I complete the package, make it seem like it's done, even though I could work on it forever, uh, and then put it out there. And then because of that, I started looking at each, um, each release more as like a stair in a stairway, right? Like, so you're like, all right, so I couldn't fix that one thing, but on the next track, I'm going to make sure that I don't make that mistake again. Uh, and it just kind of like it becomes easier and easier to, to, to ship, I guess. There's a, a Seth Godin book called um, The Practice, and it talks about shipping creative work. It's, uh, uh, I, after I, like, I read it and I was like, wow, this is a lot of the stuff that I learned in doing that like over and over and over again. But it just talks about like, you, you, you make it, it's not gonna be done, but it's done for everybody else and you ship it and then you make it and you ship it and you make it and you ship it. And that's all our job is. Um, and as like a creative and a uh, self-proclaimed perfectionist, I mean, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Cody, would you say you deal with perfectionism? Yeah. But, but I identify a lot with what Steven is talking about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of coming to the real realization that what's flawed in Steven's eyes is not necessarily flawed in someone else's or ears, I should say, if they're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. That might be a, their favorite part. Whatever was your, the thing you didn't like might be somebody's favorite part. Um, exactly. So I think that's pretty cool, the different interpretations of, of a, a piece of art, a piece of work. Uh, perfectionism. Sure. We're human. Yeah, I, We're human. Like uh, I've heard of some bands in the in the recording world bringing it back to studio engineering, uh, slowing down the tempo, perfectly hitting the notes on the guitar, and then speeding it back up so that it sounds you mean like every haste the day a, record a machine. Well, I don't know how y'all did it. I've just heard of some bands doing that, and I'm like. I remember uh, Goldman on on uh, the song 127. There's this break breakdown. One of our breakdowns. Um, that's my mouth version of it. Goldman was like, "Yeah, we could probably do that tighter, but it wouldn't be as cool." And I and that yeah. like really enlightened me is that you don't want to make everything perfect, you know. Uh, I completely agree with that. What um, I'm curious, Cody, um, how has your like talking about perfectionism and anxiety finishing things? How is your mental health journey? Is it connected to you creatively making things? Do you see a connection there? Like kind of the ups and downs of writing with your own personal mental health journey? Like is that tied into your creative process at all over the years? Yeah. Um, in, in my building trade with uh, welding and building things, there's, it's called tolerance. You have X amount of tolerance where you could aim for the mark, but you could be on either side of it, an eighth of an inch, you know, uh, and sometimes I'm building something and I'm a, I'm an eighth inch off and I'm like, ah, 
but I'm, I, it's okay. It's good. It's good to go. It's acceptable. Send it on. Get it. Get it better the next time. Um, yeah. So I, I, I've started to be more okay with like things are going to be slightly flawed and that can make them beautiful. And uh, the perfectionism, like, I, I think over the years and as I get older, I'm learning that that's more standing in my way than helping me. Uh, it's, it's a voice that I'll hear and kind of entertain, but um, I... Uh, I, I kind of I kind of like the like raw music, raw um mess ups, you know. Uh yeah. they have to be the right mess ups. They have to be the perfect mess ups. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh happy little, happy little accidents. Yeah, yeah. But, uh so uh not to change gears at all cuz I love this. I could talk about creativity like this all day. Um but I would love to know like your career in music from you know when you're 19 or even before that all the way up to now like what points uh do you feel like were major turning points for you okay. good or bad good or bad yeah. yeah okay so um i kind of nosedived our band whenever I got engaged and we released uh, Hell or High Water, which ironically is the favorite album of mine, uh, I think. And, and ours as well. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. so, so <laughs> that, that was me. That was an intentional nosedive that was like trying to give like a F you to like where we had been. Uh, but somehow it ended up coming out cool enough. Uh, so that was, that was a pivotal point. Um, the early years, like the first few years were just so surreal. Like we, we had gotten to where we were playing for nobody to we're playing cornerstone and there's 6,000 people in front of us. Uh, so all of these are big moments, uh, shooting music videos are like, wow, how cool is that? Like to see the, the behind the scenes on music videos, um, going overseas and playing, for people across the world, these are huge. Um, and then the countless, countless conversations with uh, strangers, but they're connected to you because your common bond is the music that is made. Uh, I'm sure there are more examples. Um, do those? One those? sticks out to me, and you know, if if you don't, we can always take stuff out if you don't want to talk about it, but, um, I mean, Tim, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, I felt like that was a huge turning point for everyone in the band and, and you and Aaron, especially like that was a big, uh, not a, maybe a fork in the road. I'm not sure. Uh, but Tim's death definitely, I think, seemed to be a big point in the career of Essie's Burn. And it was, it was, and um, kind of set a tone for the writing of the second album. Yeah, that signified a lot of change because we lost our lead singer at that time. Uh, Tim was Aaron, our drummer's 
best friend and the story goes that he was 25 years old and committed suicide sadly and um that was oh man like that hit really hard he's he's the guy that introduced us to Aaron and uh I was just getting getting close to Tim you know cuz he was coming on tour with us uh, and he didn't he didn't seem in the slightest bit suicidal ever, you know? It just seemed so unbelievable when it happened, you know? It was just a, as they say, a permanent solution to a temporary problem of a breakup or whatever he was going through, you know? Um, another thing I want to say is, it's like, I felt, I don't know if guilt's the word, but like that song, Timothy, like, I kind of almost feel, and I've mentioned this before, like at a pre-show, um, like we would do these things, like little pre-show things where people could come and we'd answer questions and stuff. And one time somebody asked me about Timothy and I, I would, I kind of confess that I felt guilt for writing the song and specifically using his name. And, and again, going back to the autobiographical aspect of writing, it's like, um, I, why did I have to use Tim and say this, you know? And, and, and I thought that that was a flaw, uh, in later Is years. Is that where the lyrics, uh, on Heller Highwater? No, I won't play that song to hear you singing it back. It's all wrong. That one about? was about the widow. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because people would always want to hear the widow. Uh, but <laughs> ag again, the Timothy, we Timothy was like more emotional to play uh, and just more difficult, like to sing and everything. But uh, I felt like almost like we did him a disservice by putting his name in it. But then I, but then uh, the people that had asked that question kind of disagreed with me and uh, said that they could yeah. interchange the name or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really fight it too much anymore, but I just remember I had some uh, qualms about that uh, at some point. It sounds like you carry like a certain um, kind of like, burden like if <laughs> over the the idea of its sincerity like I, I i've heard this through our entire conversation like this like well I'm, I'm doing a disservice if it's not as sincere as people thought or maybe it's too sincere or maybe it's yeah. like what do you think like that's i'm just curious is rooted in and i didn't even realize you wrote a song on hell or high water about the widow so to me that's like so i had no idea until now to me that's so interesting like maybe that song does carry a lot of baggage because that's what i was more or less trying to ask earlier does that like particular song has that carried baggage like throughout your entire career in a way you know wow um i think maybe it ends I'm up going narratives. back to that's what i do for me but <laughs> <laughs> what'd you just say I didn't catch that. Do you, feel, do you feel like the widows like carried baggage? Yeah, yeah, I heard that part that you just laughed at. Um, I didn't hear your last. Oh, day. he creates narratives for a living. So maybe I'm creating a narrative uh, here that doesn't exist. You tell oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, I think not to get super like Eastern, but I think it has so much to do with my ego, like, hmm. um, 
I, I'm, uh, again, like, I don't want people to g go behind the, uh, uh, when they get to the Wizard of Oz, like, go behind the curtain, see it's just a man, but, like, at the same time, right. like, don't want to be a celebrity uh at the same time don't want to let go of the band because it's maybe nobody will notice me anymore and i'll just be this lonely guy living out in the woods and uh people will forget about cody bonnet and it's like um yeah of course of course it's it's a baggage thing but when i feel the most free is is uh lately been trying to tap into like the universal um message right like where it's like i mean what i've been going through with my only passenger was i went through a, a pretty bad breakup about two and a half years ago where it just it really changed me um and so i've been writing songs to process that and whenever i'm reflecting on them now listening to them it's like it's kind of going into the typical breakup song kind of thing but i like it because it's um it's universal, you know, and and it it's autobiographical, but pretty much a lot of people can relate to the feeling of rejection, abandonment, you know, self hatred for the mistakes you make in in a relationship, you know. Um, so I'm excited to explore that uh, cool. with with this new project. Not to it say it feels like it feels a little lighter to me as you're describing that. Like, it feels like a little bit more freeing. Like we talked about earlier, a little bit lighter, like a fresh start, like a new beginning. Um, I'm like personally curious, Cody, like not to go back to like, you know, the autobiographical like widow thing, but I'm like, what, what did life look like for you growing up? Like, cause you're obviously like in a band with your like older brother, like, and maybe you've spoke about this on other podcasts, you don't feel like sharing, or maybe you don't want to talk about it. That's fine. But I'm just like curious, like what did life look like for you growing up? And like, how did you get into the whole music thing? But even before that, like what was life like for you? You know, I, <clears throat> I remember feeling like probably like nine or 10 years old, uh, kind of feeling like something was missing. Um, I mean, I didn't grow up with a, uh, my dad around and my mom really stepped up and was like top notch mom. She's always done an awesome job at like, you know, filling, filling those shoes, even though it's not really what she was supposed to have to do, but, um, she was a great mom. Uh, so I can't, I think that kind of translated into feelings of depression. And so I was like, kind of always battled with, uh, depression, you know, this cloud that comes over. Um, and what helped me early on was, was getting into music that, uh, you know, like MXPX and Supertones, like these were positive messages that didn't make me feel alone. And I would, I would uh, imagine meeting them and then sometimes go to their shows and talk to them like before or after the show and be like, I want to do that. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could, I could make music and um, write a message and maybe have someone be touched by it and want to talk to me about it. And so to see that come to fru fruition um, and, and, and take a path that like 
now looking back was very beautiful, but it seemed, it seemed difficult, uh, with, um, if you're, if you're in a band, you know what I'm talking about to cram six guys into a, a 15 passenger van and have to agree where we're going, where we're staying, what we're eating, uh, when to get up and, and to check your ego so you can all get along. And, and then you're dealing with, uh, you know, trying to be there for the, the, the fans in the first place, like the, the reason why you're doing this in the first place. Um, uh, it was a dream come true and it went by so fast and it, she simply will not die. It kind of still goes. I'm still doing, <laughs> I'm still doing it. Um, but that was kind of what my childhood was like, uh, listening to punk music and skateboarding. And then, yep. uh, I first started on playing bass guitar and, uh, kind of learned uh, how to play like punk and ska music on bass. And then that led into playing uh, really was further seems forever. That kind of got me into playing guitar. Yeah. Um, and then as cities burn was the first band that I played guitar in, but I'd already kind of been playing music a lot, but um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that was, answers your question. Was that, um, was music something you discovered like, alongside your brother was it almost like a like a kind of thing you guys figured out together or um not really yeah. tj yeah. uh tj um kind of came into the band uh, i had been in multiple bands like in high school yeah. and stuff before tj was and tj like we actually uh had a, a ad at the music stores uh rock band look, is looking for emo punk rock band looking for <laughs> lead singer with a little tab yeah. you pull off and tj yeah. watched us uh try out three or four different guys and he then he just pulled me aside he's like i've been jealous of all these guys why don't you let me try out and then and then like one day he did and we stumbled in and like how how cool is tj's scream how unique it, it is especially like fresh uh back in you know oh five um mm -hmm. and then he just did a great job as a front man and i just saw him as a sir not to diminish his ability or anything kind of like a surrogate for me to uh mm -hmm. like i could write the lyrics and noodle on guitar and not have to do it tj could be the mouthpiece and and we would it was it was really fun to sit down mm -hmm. and and come up with the screaming patterns and place the words here and there with tj on that first record and um that's how tj kind of came into it he, he wasn't in any band he's never been yeah. in any band other than as cities burn which is kind of yeah. cool so you're like the the leader even though you were younger you're like the musical leader as far as like all that all that stuff yeah, goes. Yeah. I haven't been yeah. I haven't been a leader in much in my life but I I have been the leader of As Cities Burn I'd say and they they'd all tell me that and I'd try to be a a good leader but like I'm um uh like you said sometimes on an emotional roller coaster and it's probably I know yeah. I I mean I honestly like I don't really talk to some of the guys that much anymore. I think that like them being in a band with me for years, maybe like kind of stressed our uh, friendship or, or that's just how life goes, you know, like yeah. new chapters bring guys states away uh, and, and we just lose touch. But um, 
I've noticed that as like a, I mean, with all this, you know, haste today coming together again, um, after so many years, it's like, when you do something so, uh, so drastic as touring, uh, with like a bunch of young guys, you know, uh, who all have their different issues and you're kind of forced in this van, nobody knows how to communicate. Nobody knows how to problem solve. Nobody knows how to, um, get along really. And you, you just do that over and over and over again. All these little wounds happen throughout the years. And like, I've been noticing as we've been like, you know, doing this again, all of those resurface. Wow. Like, yeah. And you have to like address them like, oh, okay, well, I didn't even realize that was a thing. Uh, but now it makes sense. Oh, that's a thing that we've got to address. Or I didn't realize I was even feeling this way. I've been carrying around this like resentment for this person and didn't know it. But now that we're pulling all this stuff up, it's like the the sediment at the bottom of mm. the, the, the the lake or whatever is just getting drudged up. And uh, I don't know. Would you agree with that? Like yeah. That there's just... Yeah, and I want to add to like what I was saying about being the leader. I was the leader in the music department. Like I would write and come up with the music content, but I was not the leader in like the band functioning uh, logistically. Like uh, Colin, TJ, and Aaron were so great at um, at making sure the band was where we needed to be. Uh, had all the merch covered, all the all the management issues covered and and like they were leaders there and i was not a leader there so it's like we're all leaders in our own way and it's it's like a yep. organism and you see some bands have a great organism working together some bands have an awful organism and uh mm -hmm. you think that money and success would would help things but i don't think it did you know we got to where we were on a tour bus and and uh just more money more problems you know like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's funny um as we're wrapping up something else i'm curious you mentioned like depression setting in when you're like nine or ten i think a lot of things set in around like fourth grade for people um, I know for me, like anxiety and, and stuff really started. I remember noticing it around that time. Is that is depression something you still deal with to this day? And is it something you still uh, struggle with? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's okay to talk about. Um, to me, it's just been kind of like, you know, the last time I went down that pathway in my mind, it led me to where I just didn't want to get out of bed anymore. So how about I don't go down that pathway today and I'll go down this pathway or try a new way. You know, it's like sort of just learning myself and learning how to manage my thoughts because it's, it's, we're in a battle for our minds. It's, it's all about as a man thinketh, so he is. I don't even know where that comes from, but I think that could be in the Bible or some great philosopher said it. I don't know, but it's true. It's like uh, thought management, and I've been poor at it, and that's led me to go with my feelings, and that those feelings felt like depression. So I do better with it now. Um, some some of 
some of the things you can't help that are circumstantial, you know, a breakup. Uh, I live, I lived alone for a while out here and at my house and I felt very lonely and that kind of led to depressing. Isolation. Yeah. Isolation, yeah. which isolation. To depression. A big one. Yeah. Was that depression initially as a kid? Do you feel like, um, and I don't know the situation with your dad. Um, I didn't know if he was like not in your life at all. Was it like triggered by that at that time? Or was it just something that was just kind of a, a, a cloud that was just always more or less there for you? I would imagine it did contribute to it. Uh, I mean, I think a dad should be to a kid like equipping the kid and saying, hey, you're good. You're you're a good kid. You're you're you have what it takes to succeed here. Like imagine not hearing that and the complex that's built where you're just like, I think I might, I think I might fail. I think I'm supposed to fail. And then the self-fulfilling mm. pro prophecy of failure happens. Um, was your dad just not in your guys' lives at all? Or what's, he, what's the backstory there that you're comfortable to share with? Oh, it's fine. Um, he, His friends came back from the Vietnam War and they they had gotten into drugs and kind of introduced him into drugs. And he was like 26 or 27, 28 years old around there uh, with two kids and another. My mom was pregnant with uh, my little brother and uh, he just went to the dark side and drugs took him, you know, and uh, yeah. unfortunately that probably happens more today than it, ba it did back then and uh mm. you just you just chased a high his whole life and and put put drugs before responsibility of of taking care of a family which i, I think had a lot to do with his fear like because because i know that i c came from him so i i think i relate to him in that like it's pro i'm not a father but it's probably pretty scary to to be a man and to have to raise a family. I don't know, Keech, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, we're it, both fathers. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's something that you see the worst part of yourself mm. uh, on, a, on a daily basis uh, where you're like, you know, like you don't want to be like, I don't know. There's so many things that I don't want to be as far as like, I don't, I don't want to be a bad father. I, I want to be there and supportive. I want to be calm all the time. Of course you get stressed out and you get like, like I might, you know, he wants to play or hang out or do something. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I've got to clean the kitchen. I got to do this or that. And you're like, uh, you know, you just see like the selfishness that of yourself when you're a parent and you're like, Oh crap. Like, I don't know. It's, it is, it's hard and it's, it is scary because you're also responsible for, especially like now everybody talks about like, there's all this stuff on social media right now about, you know, uh, damaging things that people's parents said to them when they were younger or whatever. And it's like, like, oh, am I giving my child a complex mm -hmm. just from something that like I do because my parents did to me, but I don't really feel like I have a, I don't know. It's, it's confusing. I think it's important to remember that like no parent has it figured out. Everybody's yeah. still learning. Everybody's like, like nobody's a parent expert, you know, yeah. per se. Um, did, did drugs eventually like take your dad, Cody, or like what's, yeah, what's, what's, the yeah. Um, 
he lived to be 61, but like when I saw him at the end of his life, like he looked about 90 years old, no lie. Like, um, I, I reconciled with him sort of around the time that the, the widow came out. We, I hadn't seen him in like 10 years or something. And I went because I knew that song was coming out. I went to like talk to him and that kind of built a bridge between us. But I always felt this looming guilt that was in the room with us at the time. And I was like, man, you're, I didn't say it out loud, but it's like, you are forgiven, like water under the bridge. We're here now, you know, but like, I just imagine the sadness he might have felt that he's like, all right, well, my kids actually turned out kind of cool and dang it, I missed I missed life with them, you know, because because of a high that I can't remember and I'm I'm still chasing, you know. It's a really sad story. Like I almost think he's the victim in the story. Kind of like uh not Darth Vader. I don't know if that's good, but uh Well, there's there's always two sides to every story, like, right? So it's like in this case, like, you know, there's pain on both sides for yeah. sure. But, um, but yeah, man, going back, um, as we're wrapping up, going back to like, you mentioned, like you wish your, your dad was there to tell you it's okay to fail. Um, you like, you know, we don't have to like, we're trying not to like be too on the nose with the whole failure thing. And I think we've like discussed it enough, but like one thing I did write down is, um, uh, there's that line like in, in on hell or high water, I'm blanking on the song name, but it's like, uh, we're all failures or something along that line. Uh, I think it's into the sea is the song. Like mm. we're, it talks yeah, about everybody yeah. being failures and yeah. nobody's, uh, uh, everyone's back is crooked essentially. Like, yeah. 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 Everybody's a failure under that light. It's like yeah. when the light comes over you and, and shows you so clearly like, everybody's going to be a failure under that light. Yeah, that that song uh, in particular was about a friend of mine that um, she just was really, really hard on herself and even was like um, into like cutting herself. And that was just like, um, you know, when you cut yourself and kind of climb out of your skin, you can't climb back in, you know, um, that's cool, cool to bring up into the sea. What What's your relationship with failure? Like, is there one like ACB album that you deem as like an ultimate failure from, from your perspective? Or is like what I, I mean, this goes back to the perfectionism, obviously, and probably the fear, fear, failure, failing. And then like, um, you know, the completion anxiety, you know, I, I, it's probably all intertwined to a degree, you know, but what, what is your relationship with failure look like? as an artist like i, I want to say right now like missed opportunities but that's mm. that's like looking back and just seeing that i um because of my fear of like what people would think or um i felt like i couldn't be my, my completely myself and that's really what robs life from from you but i, I think that's sort of getting synced in with whenever you get put in this this body and you're learning how to live in this world, the older you get, the older I get, the more comfortable I am with myself. And I don't have to be afraid of what people think. Um, and I, I think a lot of, I guess what I'm trying to say is like maybe some moments were robbed because of that fear, uh, fear of rejection, fear of f failure. 
uh, or early on, but that it's just a coming of age story where I like, I'm just finding myself and it just happens to be out loud, uh, through these albums. Um, I'm not going to say any album is a failure cause they all serve their, uh, serve their purpose. Uh, I like some songs better than others. I like some moments in the songs better than others. Um, yeah, that's pretty much. I have I have one more question. <clears throat> um, since some of the Acidies Burn stuff, uh, and even like some of the solo stuff, I guess we never really released that solo album. That uh, you, or anyway, that I'm getting off the topic. We're going to talk about that later because I'm not on the podcast, but. Um, since a lot of your writing style has been slightly autobiographical, but like some of the details changed, do you feel like fans uh, have this sense of knowing who you are? And do you, do you feel like that is accurate or inaccurate? Hmm, that's cool. Uh, that's a great question. I think they should know s somewhat of who I am. And uh, just like you said earlier, Stephen, that that was a step that came out wrong, but you just got to go to the next step. Like they, the songs did come out wrong, you know, even though some moments were right. I know that their interpretation is their own, but I'm out there in the songs, like for the most part who I am I put I put into those songs and I and I hope to continue in my musical career uh my trouble is struggling with like being the person that is the artist like I have trouble like being that person almost like I totally understand how <laughs> Slipknot or whatever they're anonymous right you don't maybe you don't actually know who's in the band or like uh Maynard from Tool, like he likes to be in the background, you know. Um, yeah, I just don't. I never want to lose, like, uh, just be being the everyday person because I think that's what the people that listen to the music are. They're the everyday people, you know. Um, and and then then getting into the music industry and seeing the backs, what's backstage. You've got. You've got guys that are different than me that that they they eat up the spotlight. They they want to be at the center of attention all the time, and uh, that's just not me. That's not me. Yeah. But I want to I want to connect to people, and um, I'm processing my relationship with God through through the writing of these songs uh, in As Cities Burn. So it's cool to have that out in the open. Um, yeah. And I like having conversations with people about God. That answers that's cool. the question. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've noticed uh, just through the entire catalog is like, uh, and just knowing you personally for so many years, like, and being able to see your journey through the music that you guys write. And like, some of it, I'm like, I wonder like, okay, do I believe this about this song because I know Cody and I know what he was going through? like around that time or like do you know but i i do think that you can trace those kind of lines um and see your journey as as a, as a person uh uh through through your songs and uh i just think that's really cool and it must be 
like you say, it's like this balance between burying your soul in your music and also uh, maybe trying to stay uh, behind the curtain a little bit as well. Like, um, is that is that kind of difficult to to maintain? I'm not really in it much anymore. Like, uh, right right now, I'm identifying more as the 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 welder. Like, I don't I don't do this on the day to day. Whenever I went back to Furnace Fest, it plunged me back into that whole mindset. And now I feel a little bit. Well, I am older, but I feel a little more mature in it. To where, um, I kind of like I'm setting aside the nervousness and the um self-reflection and more just like trying to look out at like why don't I just connect to somebody that's been a fan of the band for for 15 years like let's just talk to them what see see what they're about what do they do um so I want to continue to connect with people and uh the new project my only passenger will just be the the next the new vehicle for it um just what are, you, what are your what are your plans for that project? Yeah, what are you what are you excited about like with music looking moving forward? Like what what gets you super feel alive yeah. inside uh, about it? I have, like I said, probably 15 song ideas and I really like some of them and I really can't wait to uh finish them and 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 release them. Uh right now I'm having to struggle to know like I have two guys that are playing with me, uh guitar and uh drums. And like, I don't want to be a dictator, but it's like, I kind of started my only passenger (laughs) and I haven't talked to them about this. Maybe this is where they'll hear about it. I kind of started my only passenger as the uh, solo project where it's like, um, like I'm, I I need to call the shots on on this run of things because I got to find myself, you know, I'm into y'all's input and collaboration, but like, I just need to make this my own. Uh, So we we will see how it turns out uh it's kind of kind of puts me in a bad spot because I, I like i said i have that completion anxiety and if i don't use them or if i don't have them then maybe we don't complete anything uh so i'm trying to find the sweet spot between like having them be involved but also maintain the integrity of like where i want my only passenger to go um at least on the first release because i've kind of already got the songs written uh you know 70 percent or so but i'm i'm really excited it's gonna be uh as cities burn the the name like it just is such a like uh dark connotation uh connotation like it 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 sounds like a hardcore band or a heavy band my only passenger could be indie and pop and uh you know so i'm kind of excited to just change change it and start out there and i think once people hear it they'll hear my voice and the melodies that i'll choose and it'll kind of say oh yeah this kind of sounds like it you know sounds like soft as cities burn you know that'll probably be what it sounds like that's awesome that is awesome man I'm, i'm stoked to hear it so we asked this, so we asked this like for um, like all of our guests, uh, but what advice do you have for young creatives, people who maybe a young musician who wants to get started? What advice do you have? What would you have told 19 year old Cody? Um, yeah. I would say, and it's just really just about writing. It's like whenever you're writing and flowing, 
and you feel like you kind of, I don't know if this ever happens to you, Stephen, where you kind of feel like you kind of not leave your body, but you stop thinking so hard about it and it becomes like the feeling and the flow. You kind of tap into the flow and then, then all of a sudden you catch yourself and you start thinking too hard and get back into it. It's like, that's the key to me is like not catching yourself and staying in the flow of the writing when it comes lyrically or musically. Um, it, to me, it's figure out how to quiet your mind and, and just listen more. Like, listen to what you're doing. Um, I don't know. That's kind of abstract, but, make, but that's what I got. No, that makes perfect sense, man. Like, yeah. any artist, like, even identifying, like, me writing, like, you know, you want to, like, it's better to be connected to this, like, transmission coming from somewhere else than in your own mind, you know? What are, like, some practical ways you've learned as you've matured as a as a writer? Like, what are some practical ways that you combat overthinking and and, you know, kind of getting in your own way? Um, taking breaks, coming back to something, uh, trying new things. I'm always trying new things like a new, how do you write? Do you, do you start with a guitar? Do you start with a piano? Do you start with drums? Do you start with just vocals? You know, mm -hmm. like try, try a new thing every day. Just start, start playing bass guitar first. I, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of how I do it. Just keep it fresh. You know, you and, so? and push push yeah. myself as far as melodies go. Um, okay, yeah, I guess there'd be another, like, I've heard of other artists doing this too. Like, it's kind of a cheat code, but if you have auto-tune on while you're singing, auto-tune will kind of, like, suggest where to go sometimes. If you kind of go, ooh, it'll actually put it in, in on on a um, in a key. And then it's like... Yeah. Oh, I didn't necessarily hear it going to that note. So, like, that's something I've done before. It's like it's kind of helped me write melodies, um, so I don't that's stay in like a monotone, monotone few note thing. You know, it's just a little trick. I don't know if it's cheating, but that's cool. That's awesome. Cool. Well, dude, Cody, thank you so much. Thank for you doing guys. This. Thank you guys. When uh, when can I expect to hear it? Or yeah. anything else? Any anything else you wanna you wanna say? Cody, huh? Uh, man, I'm exhausted. I think I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad y'all are doing what you're doing. Thanks for, um, thanks for asking me. I'm gonna get geared up for work and um, just look out for new music in the next six months from me. That's the last thing I got yeah. to say. Perfect, love man. It. Sweet, we will. That's awesome. I love you guys. All right, love you too, All man. Right, thanks for doing this. Yeah, and Cody, we gonna keep in touch, man. For sure. Hey, this is Steven again. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would help us out a lot if you would share it with a friend you think might enjoy it as well. To stay updated on new episodes, follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Failures Podcast. And remember to subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Again, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.